I, I've that never seen someone call this just comes to show, obviously. Samuel, I'm sure. Oh, yes, yes. Okay, welcome, Samuel. I owe you two phone calls because you called me twice. That was really neat. Yeah, definitely need to, like, I hate to time. Before he reads and blesses God, are there announcements that I have neglected? Thank you for sharing that. Mm -hmm. uh, Lori's watching, and it was our one-year anniversary. Yes. Woo! Woo! Did you get my text? And look, okay. look how far you've come. She was lamenting marrying a Gentile. And, and look, there it is. You so know, that's, good. that's good. Converting's not so bad, is it? That's right. That's right. <laughs> All right, so you're bald. That's fine. But he has, he has a permit to purchase handguns. All right. All right. And uh, Jonathan? No? He um, has a big... Is he hallowing? No, he, he is at the North Carolina Association for Certified Public Accounts tonight. So yeah. that's some sort of thing going on. He's yeah. doing that. Uh, oh, he's working. Yeah, he's working. He's working. Yeah. He's working. Yeah. You know how crazy yeah. those accounts yeah. are? Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, <laughs> scary. Yeah. Yeah. Those All right, anything else? Uh, Lens Myers? Love you, mean it. There it is. All right, let us begin. Blessed are you, and I, our God, King of the universe, who has sanctified us with his commandments and has commanded us to engross ourselves in the words of Torah. Please, and I, our God, sweeten the words of your Torah in our mouth and in the mouth of your people and the family of Israel. May we and our offspring and the offspring of your people, the house of Israel, all of us, know your name and study your Torah for its own sake. Blessed are you, Adonai, who teaches the Torah to his people Israel. Blessed are you, Adonai, our God, King of the universe, who selected us from all the peoples and gave us his Torah. Blessed are you, Adonai, giver of the Torah. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much. Absolutely. So there was a little bit mix-up. Um, I wasn't sure if I was doing kindling of fire or writing, erasing, and tearing. So we got that all straight. Now it's clear I'm doing writing, erasing, and tearing. And you may think, well, these two I understand, but... What about this little guy? It seems kind of out of place. But they actually do correspond pretty well to one another. Um, and actually, most of the 39 Melako, the works that were done on the tabernacle, are in twin pairs. So construction, destruction, writing, erasing, etc. Uh, yeah. But occasionally you get these little triplets here. So, so, so tearing of knots doesn't go with... No, tying and untying is a different... Tying, tying and untying, etc. But it's a different... It's different. Okay. I, I didn't study that, so I can't speak to that at all. Okay, so we're going to talk about writing and erasing first, and really, I'm going to spiel a little bit. I've only got three slides, so all right. this is, come on. That's what I'm talking about. All right. What I'm looking for here are some. What I'm looking for are some strong opinions and discussion, uh, because ultimately, I think Joseph's point when we first started this was critical that we can theorize about this all day long for weeks and weeks but ultimately this the purpose of this class is to figure out well where are we generally speaking at Bella Torah on this there's going to be some people who go more lenient and people more stringent but ultimately we need to kind of settle on this as a community um, and grow and viewed organically. So 
hoping that we can at least hash this out amongst ourselves. Joshua, we're going to view this organically. Okay. Yeah. I just organically no and with zero HMOs. That's right. That's right. Bill's so watching. Careful on those HMOs. On those. Uh, oh, HMO. Wait a minute. Isn't that GMOs? Oh, GMOs. All right. What is I thought he said GTO. I'm I'm sure. Is that a car? Okay. <laughs> okay. Anyway, the basics: um, writing, drawing, erasing, even tearing through letters is avoided. That's pretty straightforward. Yeah. And we need to ask, well, why is writing prohibited? Can we first define writing? We're going to get there, okay? Right. So it's like number four down here. It's coming. You can You're going to ask with three slides. That's right. Yeah, I know. So, but they're right. deep slides. So in order to transgress writing on Shabbat, there's two levels that we need to talk about. We need to talk about the biblical prohibition, how you violate that, and then the rabbinic prohibition, which is going to be ultimately related, and of course, as you might have guessed, a little bit more stringent than the biblical prohibition, uh, all things being equal. So, in order to transgress writing on a biblical level, you have to write two letters, at least two letters. And from a rabbinic standpoint, it's writing one letter or anything at all. And you might well ask, well, how does two letters come about through that? And the purpose of two letters is because everything's derived from what? When we talk about the 39 minutes. The tabernacle. The tabernacle. So any guesses why two letters are required for the building of the tabernacle? Why two? Why not just one? If you write anything, and where even is writing on the tabernacle? If you're building something, if you've built anything at all, you're probably going to want to do what first? You're going to mark the wood you cut it. You're going to want to mark stuff to measure. Yep, absolutely. And so... If you're building, and you take one pole, and you need to connect it to a second pole, how many poles are you probably going to mark? At least two, because you need to connect the two together. And right. so that's writing, and the racing is on there, just in case you know it was said, and uh, we'll get to this in a little bit, on, in uh, Shabbat 73a, uh, Rashi's comment on that is, well, just in case they made a mistake and had to erase something on the board, therefore we're just going to throw erasing in there as well. Just to be Plus, generally speaking, from what I know of the Malakot, it seems like it's quite common to have the inverse of things right. because of the fact that you can't, it is not creating on Shabbat, you can't destroy on Shabbat either. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So, two boards going into each other, two letters, one on each board, were used to mark the boards. Also, having two letters is only from the written Torah, so keep that in mind, uh, by, but by rabbinical decree, anything that you write. No matter if it's just a symbol or a mark, it doesn't have to be an actual recognizable letter, but anything is prohibited. And how do we define writing? So we usually think of writing pretty straightforward as, I'm going to take a piece of paper, I'm going to take a pen or a pencil, and I'm going to start drawing and writing things. Uh, but we obviously know that the rabbis are not satisfied with just straightforward writing, so we get a little bit more creative. So if you consider uh, just take a poll. How many people think that writing in the air is prohibited or permitted, according to the rabbis? Rabbis, prohibited. 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 Writing in the air? Okay, what about uh, sign language? Is that prohibited or permitted? That would be permitted. 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 What about walking in the snow, leaving footprints, which technically would be considered symbols? Wow. Permitted. 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 
What about writing on a fro frosty window or on a fogged up plane no of way. glass? No way. No way. Actually permitted. That's prohibited. Really? Because I thought since it's temporary. Oh, we're getting so into is temporary. So is the snow. I mean, come on. All right. And what about disappearing ink or invisible ink? No, no. Right. Actually, I think that one's allowed. So we got to get into that. we got to talk about, well, when does it disappear? How long is it actually yeah. around? So, and this is uh, actually the dispute between Rashi and Rambam regarding the parameters of what exactly does it mean to have permanent writing? Because if I fog up a plane of glass and just write real quick, there it goes. It's like it never happens. But if you refog it, it's still but there. You yeah, the, the oil on your fingers is still there, so uh, it's as though yeah. you've written it. Paycheck. Yeah, watch the movie. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, oh yeah, the bathroom. Yeah, the oh, bathroom. Yeah. Wow. Anyway, yeah. I don't. That hurt. I read that in the book. So. Yeah. <laughs> Allegedly. Allegedly. Uh, okay, so Rashi and Rambam are talking about what it means to be considered non-permanent. Rashi seems to be of the opinion that permanent means that it will last for a long time, weeks, at least days. While Rambam is a little bit more of a different mindset, he considers that. Writing as long as it lasts by the end until the end of Shabbat is considered permanent. So if it's going to go away before Shabbat, then that's not considered permanent according to Rambam. But if it's going to consider longer than Shabbat, then it's considered permanent according to Rashi. And so we need to define two terms now uh, before we get to erasing. Kind of going a little bit out of order here. And I'm kind of giving you like a smattering of things. Feel free to interject with questions, except for... <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Got me back. That's good. Um, so I, I guess the, the, the premise I had on, on most of this um, two weeks ago and then, and then in my post was, by and large, there's only two or three of these classes we'll have that are actually scripturally based scripturally founded and we not only want to look to say to see exactly what the scripture says but then also look more so and see what the rabbis have said obviously yeah. so I'm surprised that your third bullet says that biblically writing two letters are prohibited can you help me there because I didn't I didn't I didn't hear uh, any kind okay. of reference so here's what I mean by biblically okay so there's two levels here uh, that are considered and there's a technical term for when something is on a... Uh, if you read the Talmud often, you'll hear the rabbis talk about, well, this is just a rabbinic stringency, right, right, right. Yeah. or this is according to the scripture. So it doesn't mean that they're drawing a specific proof text from, a, right, from right. a verse and saying, look, right. this verse is plain, even right. though sometimes that's what it means, but right. other times it means, well, this is inferred more easily from biblical references, perhaps even just across the board than it is from just rabbinic writings. Right, so I'm with you yeah. when, it, when we're reading the Talmud. Yeah. But I'm reading your slide. So when you say biblically writing two letters are prohibited while rabbinically writing one letter... Mm -hmm. You and me it's rabbinically writing one letter it's super rabbinically. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're all rabbinic here, right? <laughs> John, in in one sense, yeah. So, well, all right. Uh, give me the general sense for the guys on the other side of the but camera. But at the same time, it's a... It's a it's, it's all how you're viewing the issue of the tabernacle. Because if you look at the tabernacle and the 39 Melachot as being merely a rabbinic device, then yes, it's all rabbinic. But if you look at it as being derived or, or, or closely derived from the scriptures, 
then it has a lot more scriptural weight behind it. And that's the point that they're trying to get at. And, and, I'm, and I'm, I'm with you. I don't have any problem with that. I just want to make sure for somebody who listens to this in 30 years that they understand what, they understand what we're talking about. Because when you say biblically, your concept of like Christian, as well as your, your goyim guys trying to keep the Torah, <laughs> are going to think, okay, well, where's the reference, bucko? Okay, so, yeah. so it, I mean, well, has so, he, so let me clarify. So everything, everything is from the rabbis. Let's just put it that way. Okay. <laughs> um, so when I say biblically, I mean that they're, the rabbis are deriving from the text. Are deriving from the text and their own understanding. I but got you. When I say rabbinically, they're deriving from their other rabbinic texts. The point. So, or from themselves. I got so you. So it's all within the circle and purview of the rabbis. You Thank you, Cody. I'm ready. You talked about the temporariness of writing. Are you coming back to that later? Or we already finished that? Because you said Rashi thinks this and Raman thinks this. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't exactly catch all that. So if you're coming back, it's fine. But Okay, I can repeat it. So okay. so Rambam's for the day, Shabbat, right? Rambam, yeah, is addressing a general rule of permanence. He defines non-permanence as not lasting until the end of Shabbat. Right. Does right. that make sense? So is it from the beginning of Shabbat to the end of Shabbat? Or yeah. Are we sound, okay, so we're not so starting, it, Sunday, starting Sunday. What do so you mean? Oh, no, so it has to be done on Shabbat, and then from that point going forward, when does that writing cease, or the disappearing ink? When does it evaporate, or the plane of glass? When does it become clear again, etc.? So we're talking about, because what about... Walking in the snow, snow yeah. falls after me, covers up my tracks. Is that technically if I write in the snow, but it's going to fall and cover uh, up my writing? Drawing up, up the beach. Up it doesn't snow. Drawing up on the beach. Right. <laughs> so, is, so that's <laughs> what Rashi thinks. That's Rashi. Rashi. I just gave you Rambam. Rambam. Rashi is longer. So it's, if, it's permanent if it lasts beyond Shabbat. And he didn't exactly give uh, the, the source that I used uh, utorah.org didn't give a specified time of when Rashi seems to think it ends, but it's certainly longer than Rambam at the end of Shabbat. Good. Does that help at all? Yes. Good. That good. That? yes. Okay. But regardless, the end of Shabbat would be like the strictest approach. Yeah, if it's if it's not... No, uh, no, no, no would, that would be the loosest approach. No, I mean, no, no, no. The, the, by, as long as it disappears before the end of Shabbat, that is the loosest way of looking at it. Yeah. No, 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 wait, because I thought, I thought Rashi says it can last longer than that. No, no it can. Rashi, yeah, said Rashi it last, says if it's. goes it's, past a few days or weeks. Right, right. So if you want to write temporarily, Rambam is the least restrictive. No, no, no. Rashi no, is. Rashi would be, because. It's, it, uh, Rambam's saying it has to end by, by the end of Shabbat, has to disappear by the end of Shabbat. Rashi is saying it can take days to disappear, and that's still temporary. Yeah. So, and, and it's a little bit okay. confusing because we're talking about non-permanence as opposed to permanence, so we don't usually think of those negations. <laughs> okay, so it's a backwards thing. So I got your anti-Torah thing there. Okay, great. Um, all right. Wait. Yeah. So... The writing two letters are prohibited while rabbinically writing one letter or, or anything else is prohibited. Would you say that all the rabbis agree that two letters is prohibited and that there's only differences on one letter? So I would never want to say all rabbis say the majority, X, but yeah. the majority of the research that I did like the pointed to minimum. this exact same thing, that on one level 
if you want to take the really lenient approach, writing two letters based upon what we think of as the, on the Mishkan, yeah. that's where we get it from the, the text. Yeah. Is I, that, don't, I, don't two letters. Little, I could be wrong, but from the little I know, I don't think there's really much debate about the biblical inference of two letters. Because that's not really what we're going to, this may sound bad, it's not really what we follow. Because that's really just a point of reference to where do we get this writing at all? Does I guess I was asking. Uh, so one rabbi says after Shabbat you're done, but that's only one letter. Another rabbi says, you know, two days later, as long as it goes away, that's good. But that's only that, that's still only with one letter. Now, all the rabbis agree? are going to be in the context of one letter or any mark at all. So they're not going to be talking about, well, you can but write one letter. whether it disappears in one, let's say I write two letters and it disappears in one second. It doesn't matter how long it takes it to disappear. If I wrote two letters, I'm therefore writing and therefore... No, you no, wrote no. one letter to get to that, right? Well, no, but anyway, hang on. Wait, but the thing is, you're saying with the permanence is that writing is permitted, quote-unquote, if it doesn't last. If it disappears before the end of Shabbat, it's not considered writing. Right, correct. Okay. So you can write as many letters as you want. Well, no, no. because that's... You're taking that out of context. Okay. We need to put this permanence in the context of the remainder of what uh, we're going to talk about. I guess I was saying you define writing as two letters, though. On one level, yeah, that's correct, because that's what it was on the Mishkan, was two letters, okay. because you had two boards. Yeah. But rabbinically, we got to take a step back and go this way and say, so we don't even want to do any. <laughs> we don't want to do get anything close to that, so we're going to make it one letter because they thought, well, w even one letter has a lot of meaning, yeah. or even a mark. So they're going to take that extra step. Yeah, I guess I was asking, but there's disagreements on the one letter, but there's no disagreements on two letters. There's always disagreements. All right. But so you need to determine I, what you think is right. All right, I'm going to continue. Well, but the halakha on this is so. Yeah. They all start from a premise. I mean, the Shulchan Aruch lays down the halakha yeah. that all of Judaism starts with. Then there may be some minhagim that vary by community, but the basis of the halakha is the Shulchan Aruch. So, yeah. Okay, so don't get hung up on the permanence thing because we got to keep going to really put that in the context of what it means to write, what we can and cannot write. So uh, we're going to get a little bit, we're going to dive a little bit deeper. Um, into the post games. Anyone actually know what that phrase is? Multiple post. <laughs> Multiple post. <laughs> uh, 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 post scheme is or post is a typically a rabbi who is you know, who has been trained and study etc. In certain, uh, typically they specialize in certain areas and they can poskim which is another, uh, which is kind of the verb form, they can ask him, which is they can make halakhic because decisions. They have to have smicha. Right, they yeah. have to have smicha typically, and um, uh, although I, I know more of at least one case where the, the, the Kosek did not have formal smicha, but he was well regarded Respected. and recognized, so he had de facto. So he's kind of like a halakhic expert. Yeah, that's get, exactly it's right. It's almost like give rulings. Exactly. It, but you'll, a lot of times they will, they will pass, uh, pass in for certain areas of Jewish law. So yeah. they might be, they might pass in for issues of Kashrut, or yeah. uh, issues of Shabbat, or issues of um, 
you know, Tahara Mishpacha or whatever, whatever the body. But the post scheme, of course, that's I think where a lot of the debate comes in, right? Because I feel like yeah, I've heard, I've yeah. research I've seen online, people will say, well, if your if your post scheme say this, then you can do this, but if not, you have to do this, and so on and so forth. So there seems to be a lot more di- differentiation at that point. Yeah. So this is kind of where it's this is where kind of legal precedent kind of comes in, and people can debate how to apply a certain legal precedent to a given set of circumstances. And even the line, the dispute of the post scheme, they're disputing with one another. So this is where they kind of get into it and they say, what what is even writing? What does that even mean? Do they ever dispute what the Shulchan Aruch says, or is it more of how the Shulchan Aruch is applied in a given situation? So most of these guys are way before the Shulchan Aruch. Okay. So the Shulchan Aruch came along far afterward. Oh, so this isn't a, a, a common, like, today term no, for a It is, but the, the, the hammering out of this writing took place a long time before the okay. Shulchan Aruch. Right. Yeah, there's not, I, don't, I mean, there's some post scheme that are still making rulings, even today, but... It's like we're really nuancing it, I would think, at this point. But, but it is typically not debating what the Shulchan Aruch says. It's more how does it specifically apply, apply to this crazy it's, situation. It's no different than any other law, right? There's a law in the books, right? Then a certain case comes up where there's certain facts and circumstances, and lawyers and ultimately a judge or a jury have to decide how to apply the law mm-hmm. in that particular case. That's essentially what the post-scheme would be. It's like setting precedent in our legal system. Right. So the post-scheme, one post-scheme is called a post-seg. So a post-seg is simply a halakhic ruler. Post-scheme are debating about things. So there's one particular post-scheme or post-seg that I'm going to focus, upon which I'm going to focus, and his full name is Mordecai ben Abraham Yofi. Oh, the Yofi. <laughs> and he was uh, born in 1530 in Prague, and his his uh, most famous work that he wrote was a uh, ten-volume codification of Jewish law called the Lavush Malkut. So he's just simply known as the Lavush because of his work. Lavush. <laughs> so the Lavush uh, took, took a very uh, strong view on writing. And to kind of bring it into modern times, a lot of rabbis kind of take the example of, they, they'll do two things. They'll say, imagine you had a cake. Happy birthday. It's Peter's birthday. Happy birthday, Peter, on the cake. Here it is on Shabbat. You want to eat it. How do you cut the cake? Because you can't destroy the letters. Can, Can you cut in between those letters? In, not, not through those, in between the letters. Would that be separating those letters? Hmm. Or think about it another way. What about Scrabble? You want to play Scrabble? You're going to be taking letters, putting them together, destroying them together. Or let's let's look at it a third way. This is the the example that the that Lavouche actually used. You have a book. It's got writing on the when you close the book, writing on the edge of the book. You no, not on the spine. The actual pages. Oh, on the pages. So you open the book and you thereby destroy the word. And then you bring it back together, and you create a word. Can you do any of those things? Same concept in all three. So the Lavouche, um, there's a, a pretty heated discussion. Um, apparently people get really into this uh, because well, it's Scrabble serious for them. 
And I actually really appreciate that because it's not like, well, you know, this really doesn't matter, but we're just going to debate about this <laughs> because it's fun. But this actually has some pretty practical implications for them and for us as well. So the Lavouche said that you can't do any of those things. You can't separate the letters. You can't, if Scrabble were around, I don't know if it was, but you can't do that. Um, some of the other post game were like, that's ridiculous. There's, there's no way that you should rule that stringently. Yeah, this is, this is really interesting because... You were playing Scrabble, yes? No. On <laughs> Shabbos. But uh, my son was at uh, a local rabbi's house uh, like a week ago, two weeks ago, uh, for Shabbat. And it turned out that somebody who was there was their birthday. Uh-huh. Either that day or close proximity. So they had a birthday cake for the person there. But when they brought the birthday cake out, there was the cake, and then there was like a, like a thing of wax paper, and they had put the happy birthday Brilliant. person's name on the wax paper. So they brought it out. Has the has the has the right the, you know the wording and everything. They sang happy birthday, you know Mazel Tov, you know, and then to, when they got ready to cut the cake, they picked the wax paper with the, words the with this frosted wording, ah. and they set it on the counter, and then they cut the cake. Brilliant. Wow. There so yeah. this is not this, so far. This is, this <laughs> is still considered in everyday affairs. Wow. Yeah, you know, right. Wow. So some of the uh, post game who are arguing with Lavouche, uh, they brought up the point of, well, what about opening and closing a door? According to the Mishkan, when we look at that, opening and closing a door isn't destroying and constructing because it's an integral part of opening the door. Likewise with the book. But the Lavouche countered and said, no, it's not the same. Because when you actually are opening the book and either destroying or tearing or uh, putting together those words, it's not an integral part of opening a book. It's an incidental consequence. So you can't argue that at all, so it still stands. Does that make Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. I love this guy already. Um, but it's only in the cases when you have writing on like the side of the book. Like, like the but the concept words. is there that you can't do anything that would join existing right. letters. Right. But in so the case of like a normal book that has no words on the side, and that's what he argued. He's like, if you have another book, just use the other book, or don't use that book, or plan ahead and just open it before Shabbat. <laughs> you, just can't, you can't turn the page. So, <laughs> One page. Yeah. No, this is the page of the audition. No, because it'd be messing up the letters. No, because yeah, you're, you're, it's, it's the it's turning one page. Letter, complete letter. Yeah, there's not letters there. You should be able to turn the page. Well, but if it's a marking, that, that would still fit in. Okay, there. I'm not sure what he said. Okay. Well, I'll have to read his ten volumes to get back to you. That'll be tomorrow. And so most of the post game um, disagreed with him because he went way stringent and said this means that you can't play any games or anything like that because of the possibility of creating words. And they said, well, no, that's, that's way too stringent. We're going to go lenient. So cutting the cake in between the words is okay, in between the letters, but then you face the problem of actually eating those pieces <laughs> of cake um, so you're back to the same predicament. Just wax paper. That's right. Or you could just Holo- have a holograph that says happy birthday. Do a hologram <laughs> of the whole <laughs> time. Yeah. So, and uh, talking about um, erasing in this regard, because that's technically what we're, the way he considered it, separating those letters is erasing. 
as one of the, uh, I can't remember who pointed this out, but someone pointed, pointed out that Rashi, when he's talking about the Melacha in the Mishkan, the work of the tabernacle, he talks about the, the boards that you put together and you obviously have, you have one written here and one written here. You bring them together. When you disassemble the Mishkan, technically, according to that stringent definition of the Vush, would be considered erasing. So when Rashi's talking about this, he mentions erasing, ver- like verbatim, actually erasing on the boards, but he never mentions the separating of the boards. So most people infer from that that Rashi didn't agree with that stringent uh, Opinion that just separating letters is tantamount to erasing. So most people rule with him that it's it's okay to separate letters as long as you're not destroying letters, based upon that concept. That makes sense. Colby. If you separate letters, aren't you destroying the word? This, that's the whole argument. Like, aren't you erasing? And so some rule stringently and say, see, that's why you can't separate the letters. And so that, that's erasing. But then that comes into the definition, what is erasing? Because the letters technically remain intact while the word is separated, at least by proximity, while others would say, well, according to you know, the Mishkan, nobody ever ruled that separating those two planks was considered erasing. Right, we have Aleph and Bait on planks that are like up against each other. And you move the planks away from each other. It's the same concept. And it's not. They wouldn't consider that erasing. They they would just consider that disassembly. The reason I was asking is because if that's true, then that means you can play Scrabble. Yeah, and so that's where they go. They say, according to that understanding, Scrabble's okay. Cutting the cake is okay. Which is also something that's played at the local rabbi's Yeah. As long as you don't cut between the letters. No, you can't cut between the letters. You can't just, you can't cut through the letters. That's what I said. So what do you, but but eating it then? You run into the same problem, which is why they do the wax paper. Oh, okay. So so it's it's a no-win there. Pretty much, when it comes to cake. Except you get to eat cake. (laughs) Just don't eat cake. You can have your cake, but you can't eat it. You can't eat it. (laughs) (laughs) You can have your letters, but you can't eat them. Okay, so I have a question. With with the with the joining of the two different posts and with Aleph and Bait, so they consider Aleph and Bait in this case if that's what's marked on it as a word. So I guess what I'm trying to figure out is if we have a word and we're disassociating letters, that's fine, you know. But if we just have marks that aren't necessarily make a word, is that different? No, it's the same. Some rabbis would say it's the same thing. It doesn't matter if it's a recognizable letter or not, because we don't know what they put on the Mishkan. Maybe they marked it with Aleph and Bait. Maybe they did one and two. Maybe they did whatever. The point is, any recognizable, um, intelligent mark that you could deduce instructions from is going to be under that purpose. Even if if once together, like two marks together, even if they don't form some sort of word. Yeah, even if they don't. But according to the separation concept, if like I wanted to take, um, I don't even know. I'm not familiar enough with. Scrabble, honestly, they got symbols of Scrabble, but it's like if you, um, if you have a situation where you've got an item that's got a question mark attached to it, and you remove the question mark from it, then that would no longer be considered erasing for this this for the lenient side, because you're simply removing it. You're not you're not actually erasing the symbol. Correct. Yeah. So you can separate letters according to the lenient position all day long. That's right. not a problem. 
they don't have any problem with separating the letters. They just have the problem with destroying letters. But the stringent side has the problem with right. doing anything to the letters. If I'm playing Scrabble and my words are in the shape of a T or another letter, then can I, if I take the words out, am I erasing that letter? You're killing me. It's not a bad question. It's not, I mean, I don't know, honestly. Uh, that's a good question. Um, but that's a halaki decision that he needs that to bear, right? right? He needs to bear that like bird call. Let, rabbi call let him know what he thinks. Take up that crown. Um, <laughs> so, okay, and then, so returning to uh, Scrabble and the illustration of a cake and some other practical implications. What about locks, where the combination on the lock, whether it's numbers, symbols, or letters, and you have to move that to form something or not. According to the lenient side, that's okay. Likewise, putting two halves of a torn piece of paper together so that you can finish the sentence across the page, or sep not tearing, but separating the already torn page is also okay, according to the lenient, just to kind of prove the concept so that you can apply it to other situations uh, in your own daily life. Okay. What about typing? Typing, I mean, that crosses multiple. I know the forget about the electronic yeah, side of it for a moment. Even barring the electronics, that's prohibited. You can't type uh, oh, because yeah. well, that with the writing again. Yeah, like, that's well, you're creating you're creating letters. Or yeah, no, you can't del even delete. So 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 typing is considered writing. Yeah. Okay. If you even if you had a typewriter, non-electronic, you couldn't sit there and hammer it out on the uh, typewriter. Um, okay, so with that in mind, just kind of back up a little bit, we talked about separating and all that. So if you want to, let's just take Scrabble for the example. You want to play Scrabble on Shabbat? So far, you would think I can play Scrabble on Shabbat. It doesn't seem to break any rules. Um, on the lenient side. On, on the lenient side. But then we're going to take that lenient side and let's just don't think about the stringent guy anymore. We're going to keep him away. That's only now in the circle of lenience. Now, this is a great understand, a great uh, opportunity to understand how far-reaching halakha is. Uh, because in our minds, we think, okay, great, I can separate letters? Fine, that's all I need to know. However, halakha goes way beyond that because the rabbis, in an effort to, here's the fence, and they don't want to go this way, they're running this way towards holiness, let's just get as far away from the fence as we can, putting other fences behind us. Some in that camp would rule against playing Scrabble and all these other games and cutting the cake for a couple of reasons. And this is also important to keep in mind, the potential for writing. If you're doing something that may incidentally cause you to forget that it's Shabbat and you write something down according to the stringence on that in this particular circle it's prohibited. For example, it's prohibited according to some to think about uh, weighing and or it's prohibited to think about financial transactions lest it can become complex in your head and you reach for a piece of paper and begin scribbling on it without even thinking about it. Uh, it's also prohibited to uh, sell and rent items on Shabbat, not barring the other prohibition of buying and selling, but because you might be tempted to write down the transaction as a receipt. 
when tickets would come in to play games because if you're keeping track of score. And so they, they talk about, well, chess, Scrabble, etc. For chess, I mean, you don't even actually have to play chess. You can just play using the moves and writing down the moves. So they actually talked specifically about chess, that you shouldn't play chess. At least back then, people actually kept track of the moves by hand, so you might accidentally get caught up in the game and just reach and write that down and break Shabbat. So on the more stringent level, they say anything that may cause you to <coughs> accidentally write financial calculations, keeping track, even thinking about a guest list for a wedding or big event is prohibited according to that because you might think, oh, we, ha we actually don't have enough food for all these people, so I need to scratch this person off the guest list, or I forgot to invite so-and-so, so I need to add them to the guest list. Mm -hmm. So the Holocaust is way more in-depth than just the actual writing. It's potentiality as well. What about kids who may color with crayons? Kids are exempt. Mm -hmm. okay. So <laughs> for them, it's okay. Under the age of bar mitzvah, bar mitzvah. Yeah. Like they, it's rabbinically, from what I understand, it's encouraged to try to get kids, especially over time, as close as possible to keeping Shabbat so that it's not such a jarring situation. But technically, I think that kids can even play with um, like an electronic device. If I mean, technically, they they discourage it because it's loud and because it it, it it's confusing um, because a kid can and they can't, but. Um, traditionally, it's fine. Like you'll see kids play like sports and stuff. Not sports, like we think of. But yeah, um, let's, let's move on. Let's move on. Okay. So that's kind of high to mid level, but I wanted to bring this down to something that we, coming from really a Protestant Christian tradition, the majority of us, it hit ho it hits home for us on a different level when we think about sitting in religious settings. Uh, because most of us, at one point or another, when we sat in church, whether younger or older, probably were encouraged to take notes during the sermon. Mm -hmm. And for a lot of people, that's how they stay focused, that's how they grow spiritually, that's how they remember the lesson, all the great points. So, I'm going to give you a scenario, and I'm going to hold off on giving the kind of the solution that this one rabbi gave. And I'd like to, for this to generate some discussion, because I feel like this is a lot more practical than a lot of the things we've been talking about, even though everything's really practical. Uh, so consider the following three points from somebody emailing you personally and saying, I want to write on Shabbat in order to capture and reflect on some of the very meaningful thought and feeling-provoking experiences and teachings that we have on Shabbat, particularly this year, as I am new to Bella Torah. While I appreciate you having a halakhic lifestyle as a way of engaging with the rich tradition of the Jewish people, I don't believe that the halakha is actually the word of God as expressed to the rabbis. Given both of these two previous points, it would make a lot of sense, it seems, to allow me to write on Shabbat as a means of deepening my spiritual experience, or, in a formulation I would prefer, Deepen my dialogue with the enduring story of the Jewish people. It's quite an email. So, how, long, how long did it take you to write that? Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I, I didn't actually write all of that. I pieced it together. Um, it's actually an actual email that someone sent a rabbi, 
and I changed it a little bit. But so think about that. They they want to capture the teachings on Shabbat. They want to appreciate the the halakhic lifestyle, but just not as you do, because they don't. The rabbi is not the word of God. So what do you say? Um, before I answer the specific question, uh, it's important to know how Judaism handles this, because um, how is it? That we have we have written down sermons from many great sages that were del- that were sh- sh- uh, you know, sh- you know, given on Shabbat during the Shiur, including the Master. How is it that those sermons have been written down when they can't write when there's nobody that can write them down while he's while he's delivering? Them? Right, and. <clears throat> This is actually something that I learned as I've been reading different biographies on some of the um, actually more recent sages. But um, what they do is in the shul, when the Rav stands up in the bima to deliver the shiur, there will be there'll be you know the, especially if he's a well-renowned, well-regarded Rav, it's typically a packed house, right? And all of the Talmudim that study regularly in that shul will be tasked with listening to and memorizing short excerpts of what he what the Rob delivers orally. So basically it would be like, okay, the great Rob Traficante is about to speak. Peter, you take the first two minutes. Next two minutes, next two minutes, and every t- every disciple is basically assigned a a piece, and they have to intently listen and basically meditate and commit to memory that piece. And then after the after sometime later, everybody writes down their piece of the Rob's sure, and then somebody compiles it, and that's how we have written down. Uh, very close, uh, uh, very accurate uh, renditions of these sermons and teachings from from Rob. That's how they handle it. Is mm-hmm. and that's of course part of their training was memorizing tons and tons of stuff. So yeah. it comes easier for them. But mm-hmm. hence four gospels. I've always wondered how they managed similar. to remember all that. So I've always wondered that, and there, there it is. I mean, literally, I've been wondering for years how they always, how they managed to write the Gospels so accurate, so accurately. Yeah. I'm the guy that normally gets those emails for Bellator, <laughs> which I forward on to either Rick or Greg, and, and I wipe my brow and call the name. <laughs> um, but, but from time to time, uh, I will respond, um, because perhaps the, the, the individual has a, a closer affinity to me I mean, it's. I think it's pretty cool that between Rick and, and Greg and, and myself, the three of us have three completely different personalities, yeah. three completely different perspectives, and so forth. And and I, I, I'm I'm just the joker at the back end, but I'm the mouth. So, you know, and I get the website and everything, so I get the emails. Um, my take has changed. Um, I used to just tell them, "This is what we do. Step up." do what we do, join our group, and so forth. Uh, and now, and, and it's, it's quite frankly, it's, it's, it's due a lot to, to Greg uh, 
Greg's perspective of, of the timeline of this is this is my current position and, and you know yeah. and I'm still growing and, and Rick's perspective of I'm just trying to be obedient you know follow along let's let's take the journey together um, but my response would probably be along the lines of you know you may find yourself in a room during that portion discussion where you're the only one that's writing anything down and and we're going to love you anyway yeah um but perhaps you want to reconsider your perspective and, and let's look at the perspective instead of, of you know, because if you want to learn the faith, who's been practicing the faith longer than you, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. But uh, I, don't, I don't think today I would say, you know, if you come in with a pen and pencil <laughs> and, and a pad, you know, we're all just going to wait until you put it away. I would... I would just encourage them to try and grow as quickly as possible and, and, and spend time with us. Yeah. And plus, you, you also have kind of the possibility that you end up with people who don't know, I mean, even regardless of whatever the general approach the community ends up being or not being, um, people that kind of knew don't know what the, what the approach yeah. is there. I mean, I remember being in Israel and um, someone coming to uh, a synagogue service with a camera which is a huge no-no in Orthodox circles. They took a picture of the service on Shabbat because they had no idea. They're just like they're they're tourists. They're here. They think it's cool. They want to remember it. They don't. And someone like you know, it was um, it was interesting because it was actually a Messianic synagogue. Someone's like, put that away. And it was kind of. I remember being like, whoa. Like I know that you're not supposed to do that, but it's like, chill. Like I mean, this person has no clue. You know. Yeah. So I feel like. I feel like it's important to balance. I think you mentioned this before, just to balance that, like, no matter how passionate you are about it, mm-hmm. keep in mind that other people are at different levels and different places, and you don't, in an effort to help them grow, you don't necessarily want to cut them off at the knees. Right. I think I think we have to take the halal approach. Yeah. Right. Because um, if somebody is taking notes, especially if they're trying to take notes with respect to you know, learning scripture and whatever. I mean, obviously, there's nothing inherently bad with that. I mean, the the effort is noble, right? Uh, but I think, again, it all it all gets back to leading by example. Because uh, if somebody says to me, um, "Oh, yeah, I, I need to call you. Here, can you write your phone number down?" and I say, "I can't." Right, then what after they kind of look at me weird, right? Then there's more than likely than not, there's going to be a question. Right, why can't you? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So then there's an opportunity to bring a perspective that you know they may not be familiar with or have never considered. Never considered. Here's my question, as opposed to as opposed to saying, you know. Are you crazy? That you know that that's, that would be a sin or you know whatever. I mean, you know, if you just kind of like attack them when, when you, it's obvious that they're unfamiliar, you know, yeah. or, or don't have a, a, a perspective, you know, that to me is um, counterproductive. Yeah, and, and doesn't really reflect the character of Messiah Yeshua that we need to exhibit. So, mm-hmm. 
just uh, I, I'm curious what what you think on this. The reverse of that, instead of them asking you to write down the number, they ask you for your number for them to write down. Would you give them your number? If I know if they've got a pen in their hand and they're ready, mm -hmm. that's, that's a really good question. Um, that's a really good question. I don't, I don't know. I'm not sure how I handle that. Okay. Don't write it down. Number it. Always, always carry business cards. Here's my card. Israel. When yeah. I, uh, when the first couple of times I went, they were introducing, and everyone's just handing business cards. Why does everyone have all these business cards on them, yeah. ready to go? And it's for that very reason. They don't want to cause anyone to write. And then I foolishly took out my cell phone and started texting Jonathan. Go! Okay. So let me uh, let me just share uh, just real quick. Um, not what a burden. I was going to say this is a burden, but what a life change this could be for me because. Um, many of you, you know, know that I, you know, I, I like to write handwritten notes, seal with the wax on the back, you know, and really swank it up a bit. And uh, my my number one main time for doing that Shabbat is early morning Shabbat. I am always the first one up on Shabbat, and sometimes I have many hours before my family gets up. Yeah, and you know, it's 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 been a long time, many many year habit um, because I consider it you know like a, a holy thing you know I'm I'm encouraging men I am pouring myself into their lives I'm encouraging folks I, I'm I'm trying to uh, lift a burden yeah you know all that kind of deal and and you know what you're sharing with me today is what I'm doing and the motivation for what I'm doing is fabulous. Now it just may be better on a different day. And, you know, I can work with that. Um, when I was younger, I'd just tell you to go pound sand because I'm going to do it. So. <laughs> Any other thoughts on, on the, the spiritual seeker who's... Because it's a big deal for a lot of people to take notes on Shabbat. They want to learn. They want to understand. This is brand new for them. They've never understood the roots of the faith. They feel like they've been lied to. They want to just soak it up and write. We record everything we yeah, do. At Bellator, that happened. That's right. At Bellator, we record it. You can listen to it later. Currently, we recorded. Yeah, record it. Uh, yeah. there, there actually is a, uh, if you want to go stringent, you're technically not supposed to use a recording device. I understand that, but we didn't get to that yet. We have to <laughs> but just to give you a preview. Yeah, at least a couple more weeks. That's right. That's right. Because it actually changed the status of the, uh, even if it's just a memory stick, from empty to full. Yeah. And that's productive. Right. So. I actually keep mine full wow. and I overwrite. There you go. Yeah. So I'm not saying that that it's, it's at least technical, better. Technical gap. I mean, and pretty much the majority of people are going to be using an electronic device on Shabbat. Even well, at Temple Israel, they have microphones. Do you, do you remember when uh, we had, we had a, a Shomer Shabbos family yes. came to visit and they couldn't walk back to their hotel, mm -hmm. or they didn't want to walk back to the hotel until the, until the end of the day, and the father was going to walk back and drive back and get the, the little kids and the, and the wife. So they were here all afternoon, and we were having a blast. I mean, it was great discussions and everything. And at one point, we, uh, the Talmud, the art school Talmud, had just come out, and you know we had uh, the first couple of, uh, of volumes. So you know, I, I said, "Yeah, here it's it's great. Do you want to see it?" And I, I turned my iPad towards her, 
and she, you know, she didn't move her hands. And she looked up at me and she said, I'm, I'm not able to use that on Charles. Cool. Didn't realize that. Great. I'll just sit next to you and show you. <laughs> she wasn't too thrilled with that either. But she was very gracious about it, but it, it, she didn't even flinch. Yeah. She said, you know, we don't do electronics on Charles. Okay. Cool. Any other thoughts on that? From, you know? I, yes, sir. Probably if I was going to respond, I, I like how even with the other class, a common res response from us is reminding people of how we keep this day different. Mm -hmm. And I think that would even be a, a more of a halal approach mm -hmm. in this particular case as well, to be like, don't you write in every meeting you go to at work? You know, don't, you're writing all, all week. Like, it's just a day to be different. Like, we're, we're doing that and you know, just using it as a little more of mm -hmm. a, uh, a persuasion method to say like, this. I, I totally understand where you're coming from regarding yeah. your intentions, but I mean, just just think of how nice it would be not to have to do what you do every week right. uh, th on this particular day. Because for me, that answers a lot of questions. Because then it start you just it's it's just one of those nice thoughts where you're like, well, that does make sense. It's like no pressure to write things down or catch something that someone said. It's just just soak it in, just enjoy it. You know. Yeah. Even where I was going, so okay. So let me give you the, uh, yeah, John. Oh, I was just going to say, the, um, I, I think last time we had a number of people say, you know, that, okay, this is applicable to me and things like that. I was just curious as to, uh, besides Joseph has already said so, how, how many people is, is the writing on, and erasing on Shabbat um, something where they're, it's going to challenge their current halakha? Well, that was one thing I was going to ask you because I wanted to know, how that applies to Thanks. other things. Like, I think the other night, my wife mentioned, what about eyeliner? Which is like making a mark. Yeah. But, um, yeah. It's only way. one. You can only do it on the left eye. <laughs> 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 Wait, if you do it at the same time, Because, no. like, to me, for me personally, I used to... I keep them connected, the unibrows. I used to take notes in Shabbat, but I have not done that in a while. Um, and I do find it actually somewhat more relaxing not to, honestly. Um, but that being said, it's like I'm trying to think of like what are the other applications that I might be missing here. Oh well, I've being got, a I've goodbye. Got, I've, got, I've got okay. Yeah, that's a big one. What you said? What you said? So being a goodbye. goodbye. I I actually write down. Silence. I don't write down names before I get here. Like I actually do write out the the references the night before. I just because I don't want to write in the morning. But the names I write down because I don't well, know. I don't always. Well, yeah, but. So you don't have to write them if you have all the men's names in a hat, and you just lay okay, them out. That would be good. There see, we go. But see, that's, the thing. That's, that's one thing I do now is I don't know who's going to be here. I usually pick the guys who are already here when I get here, so, so that would be the solution there. But the biggest thing for me is not even that, is I usually text with Jenny during Sh Shabbat, because we're both at service. You're such a new, you're such a Gentile. <laughs> it's like, you know, during the break and then after we finish, I usually text her because, you know, that's the way we communicate on, on Shabbat. We don't, yeah. we don't usually call. So that would be a challenge for me. That would be. Yeah, after I guess it July. Except for after July. That's I mean, right. Yeah, we don't have to worry about that. So hold that. <laughs> so maybe there's a three month, you know, like, pain period. Huh. <laughs> I guess I hadn't thought of that. It is, it is an awkward situation if you decide, well, we haven't gotten too far yet. But if you decide to use electronic devices on Shabbat, but don't write, that's actually the, the rabbis would never even consider because it's like one out of the cancel thing, well, right? I mean, I mean, yeah. I, I use my electronic sedur every now and then now. Although, since 
since uh, <laughs> Greg and, and Jonathan are constantly adding more and more Hebrew, and now you've done it, you know, I'm stuck in the book because I got to be able to read the Hebrew. And I haven't put that Hebrew in the thing yet, so you know, That's I'm using the paper more and more. It's a conspiracy. It is a conspiracy, yeah. which is fine. I love all of you so much. But when I'm using the the sitter, I, I'm not writing. I'm just. I'm just reading the center. So yeah. That's well, and, and that's... Yes, sir. Just to pick up on that, because I, you know, I, I use this every center. Right, right. Is my, is my the act of turning it on, which causes letters to display. Yep, same thing. Or oh, yeah. turning the page, which causes certain words to go off the page. But you can, but you can turn a page in a book, right? Right. Well, but the, but those letters. It's a little bit exist, different. Right? Yeah, you can turn. Well, yours still, they still exist because you go back and they're still there. God, come on. Well, do there they you. exist? Uh, do they exist? In, in, in memory, they do. As long as you have the app open. I don't think so. I think you're exactly right. right. I, I don't know. I, I wow. think that would be. I would. That's a good question, Peter. If you have the app open. I would say that turning the page probably is fine because it's automatically It's already stored. It's there. Right. It is. It is. But the I mean, the, the, the page disappears from an electronic device in a way that turning a page in a book does not. Just because it's out of your sight doesn't mean that it's not today. still there. Yeah, I can just go backwards and the page turns. And no, I actually have the page turned. You just have a very fast scribe. You just have a one piece of paper that's made up of light, and your computer is a scribe that's writing it all down. And then when you swipe, it's erasing it all and writing the new page. That's how, I mean. It's not like there's this other phantom page that you can go back. That doesn't exist. Really? It's just one How come page. I can see half the page when I turn it halfway? So what? It's writing as you're turning it. It's electronic. No, no. Okay. I can go into the technicalities of how this actually works, but I don't think we have time for that. Yes, sir. I'm going to be pretty technical. It's Go ahead. Well, it's, it's sort of like the light is actually making the light. So yeah. when you turn... The memory is stored, but the light is actually creating new words. So, so you're saying it is actually like writing. Yes. So, so creating, I think, is a bad word when we're talking about <laughs> mellow code. But, 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 okay. Yeah, that's so. So, for, so for me, uh, you know, I don't physically write on Shabbat and have it for a long, long time. Yeah. The one thing that I do. Uh, is which I'm gonna have to. You know, I've always had the current view of, you know, using an iPad or a, or a laptop on Shabbat. I always justified it as if I'm using it for the study of Torah on Shabbat, then you know yeah. I've, I've justified it that way. Yeah. So I'm not I'm not using my iPad to check email and to surf the net or whatever. I'm using it. Because I've got a Sidor or a Blue Letter Bible or um, or or you know the electronic Talmud or whatever it is, and yeah. I'm using it to study, you know, on on Shabbat. So I've always thought, you know, I personally that's, think that's a holy and righteous noble thing. I'm sure, you know, but I, I do think I have. <laughs> I, I, I either have to invent an iPad that never turns off, you know. Kind of like you turn the light switch on before Shabbat. Shabbat so mode iPad. Just on. Just right? bring it into the battery pack and play um, For whatever it's worth, I, I, I do yeah. think, you know, I could be way off here, but I do think um, as more of the world goes digital, yes. 
the and as change. generations grow up in a digital world, halakha, when we we'll go back to using yep. a sitter or whatever, will eventually consider ways I agree. to take advantage of that without, you know, without violating you know, uh, the thirty malachot. Um, it will require things like an iPad that just doesn't turn off yeah. or and some I, stuff like that. Right? I, yeah. I think Greg's exactly right. I think the Holocaust is going to change, and it'll probably change before you're a grandfather, that the electronic devices will be fine. The art school sitter, I mean, that was one of the reasons why it took so long for that to come out. They had to go around all the Shabbat. They, they, they the had to make it clear, you know, what was going to happen. They had to get past that, and they had the, the warning about, you know, using that with filters with filters and all that, and it comes up every stinking time. But I, I believe you're right. The Holocaust has got to change well, because, it's, guys, it's sooner like or later, we're not going to have book, paper I mean, books. When we, when we suddenly had electricity, right, there was no Holocaust yeah. on, on electricity until electricity was commonplace. Then the post-scheme of that, eight, of that time period right. had to poskin on how does this apply now to to the 39 mile coat and Shabbat law, digital technology is still new enough that the, 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 the there is no standard halakha. I mean, the halakha is what just don't do it yeah. as a kind of a sweeping, you know, a sweeping precaution, right? But I do think, you know, it'll have to, the halakha will get more refined around that because, yeah. you know, you just have to. Yeah. So. Uh, Although, just real quick. Last comment, then we got to get to Terrence. Uh, as far as going to your question regarding the, the device, my gut would tend to go with the idea that that's a temporary thing anyway. Like, if the whole issue is it turns off and disappears, it can't last that's good. all day on Shabbat. That's good, the so if you're okay using the electronic <laughs> device, it's no different than, like... But it's um, more than two letters, so... No, no, this, but, well, I but guess it doesn't matter. It, but I mean, it is. It disappears, though. It's, it's my only thought. It's temporary. It's temporary. It's, it's very temporary. temporary. Yeah, I'm not. I would be. I'm not sure. Because I mean, by that by that We're definition, like you would trying to get it to work. Like you well, no, never. If, if I write, if I write on the window, you know, a little love note to my wife, and by the end of Shabbat, it's gone. Even according to Rambam, that's cool. Well, you know, except oil. I'm not sure. I, I would need to double check with how that fits in. Do a little bit more research on. The love letter or the window? The, the window. Um, oh, the window. The window. Yeah. Okay. But I'm just thinking, like, I mean, hypothetically speaking, if, if, if we're arguing that you can never use, you know, you can't write anything temporarily or so, what, it's like what you're describing would be the equivalent of taking a lantern and putting up, like, a stencil in front of it and shining the, the symbols onto the wall. That's right. And moving it's the stencil in. away, and the symbols go away. That's not. I mean, I don't feel I like, like that would be considered <laughs> like a permanent form of writing. Right, and 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 technically, that's my theory. This is my stencil. <laughs> well, and and then that's how it actually works because the words themselves are already there. They're already there. They're not being written as you most in most cases. They're not being written as unless you're loading them from the cloud. But you know, we're taking benefit that you're not using the internet. No, they're already written. No, they're in memory. Okay, okay. We've got to go for. Did you hear the? Did you hear the mathematician in the back? It's ones and zeros being, and they are rendered as letters, like Peter was saying. There is a program language in between. There is a program language. Pulling out the binary. And it is being written every time you turn page. 
But I don't know much about that, so we're going to go on to Terry. But let me give you what the rabbi talked about with a, um, somebody wanting to write, write on Shabbat. Let me just tell you what he wrote. He said, this is actually touching on the heart of the predicament of orthodoxy and non-orthodoxy today. Do you follow the former letter of the law, even at the expense of the potential deeper spiritual fulfillment and self-actualization? Or do you massage the contours of the law in order to enable a more profound spirituality? Do you see the law as absolutely binding, even when it comes to the expense of a perceived higher good? Or is the law only good when it fulfills that higher purpose in which you understand it is rooted, in which your behavior should follow the purpose and not the law? I hate this argument. First, I told you that one of the great advantages of Halakha is you don't have to constantly evaluate your practice against your own subjective impulses. Halakha gives you a strong frame to which, in which you can live your life. And in giving over some of the decision-making to Halakha, I think you can ultimately create space in your life to be a better Ovid Hashem, servant of God. When you want to write, you may very well, when you want to begin to write on Shabbat, you may very well be a good Jew. But you have entered a space where you assume all the responsibility for your halakhic decision-making on your own shoulders, and I think this will lead to greater difficulty and anxiety down the road. My strong guess is that there are some deeply spiritual souls who can help you remember, and before taking the yoke of halakha on your own shoulders, I, express, I suggest you explore all of the wisdom living within it. Okay. Do agree or disagree, but let's move on, because we've got a roll to tearing. Nice TP. <laughs> like that. So, tearing everyone pretty much is waiting to get to the TP question. That's right. Because that's really what we all care about. But we need to lay down some ground rules. This one's a lot quicker than the writings. Pretty straightforward. Um, you are. This is from Chabad. You are not allowed to tear. Uh, or excuse me, tearing is allowed as long as you are not tearing to an exact size of measurement, tearing any words or letters, which is what we talked about previously. Uh, except this one would be in the realm of physicality. Um, creating a viable utensil through tearing, toilet paper, uh, tearing apart two attached items. Toilet paper. Paper towel. Paper towels, tearing a piece of paper out of a notebook, etc. So why is tearing so bad? Um, tearing through glue, sewing, or even perforation cannot be unattached for a purpose. This would involve taking something that is one and carefully and dividing it up into many, thus creating something new. Does that make sense? Why tearing is so you're taking right. what is and bold. you're making something new out of it, things that have not been. And it's typically permanent. And it's if I tear the paper out of the notebook. You can't yeah, it's pretty it. gonna be pretty hard to put it back in. So and tearing most of the time is viewed as destructive. Uh, there's very little use of, well I shouldn't say that, there's more uses for destructive tearing than there is for productive tearing. Um, so destructive tearing is more stringent um, than pro productive tearing. We're going to talk about what, what exactly that means. And again, getting into this biblical violation, again, remember that we're still always in the purview of what the rabbis are talking about. So, let's talk about a little bit of what it means to get practical on tearing. So, imagine, we're going to get to the toilet paper question later, because I know that's where everyone wants to go. But what about if I've got aluminum foil, and I want to cover a dish? Can I tear off a piece of that aluminum foil to cover the dish with it? 
just to get the distinction between destructive and constructive in our heads. So would that be non-destructive? But it's destructive to the I'm not going to measure it, so I pull yeah, it as far as I want. Measure the exact amount. I think you'd be okay because you're not violating. You wouldn't be violating one. But two. isn't it a viable utensil? Creating a viable utensil. Okay. Yeah, there might be an argument for forty. Uh, I guess to the extent that it's going to cover a dish and that's considered a insulation. So when you tear, so essentially the um, the ruling on this, well, according to the source that I found is that tearing, and this is from the Tesefta, that in the example is tearing open a vat of a leather casing on wine to get to the wine is okay. But tearing something... Hashem. <laughs> <laughs> but tearing something like glad wrap or aluminum foil to then cover something is prohibited. Okay, so saran wrap is okay, but glad wrap would... Brand new leather. Okay. <laughs> okay, so we get pretty much. The, I don't think tearing really is going to challenge a lot of people's halakha. Well, it does for, for it does for the people that own the house and have all the leftover food. So you're yes. saying I but can't. That's why I brought up the glad wrap. So, so you can't cover that. So that like sheets you can't recover. <laughs> you can't cut again so to I got recover it. that. So we According should have. So we should pre pre tear off some lengths of either saran wrap or or aluminum foil in order to prepare ahead of time for that. Yes, that that, that's okay. what the rabbinic that makes sense. strategy would say is you can't tear, you can, once it's covered, you can dive into that salad by yeah. tearing apart that glider up to shreds because yeah. you're getting to something. You'd have to but then you can't recover that by tearing another piece of glider wrap. You'd have to do a foil because glider wrap would stick to itself anyway. You have a bunch of sheets of mm-hmm. oh, yeah. glider wrap. So if you cover all the dishes before you even start before Shabbat, you've already got the cover ready for that one when you're done. Right. Okay. As long as you just don't tear it apart. Yeah, yeah. So, this is real, by the way. This is not a, a joke. Yeah. This is um, Shabbos bathroom tissue. They actually have this. Um, and it contrasts pretty much the ways that people get around having to tear toilet paper on Shabbat, paper towels, etc. are either t- facial tissue pre-cut tissue or torn paper, which is like pre-tearing on Shabbat. Um, but you can buy this little device that hooks onto your little toilet paper thing and it solves all of these horrible well, the problems <laughs> that we all have been facing our whole so, boying lives. So <laughs> help me, help me, <laughs> I help me, help me understand um, your, your chart here. So, okay. Permitted for Shabbos. Yeah, technically, technically uh, everything is permitted for Shabbos. So these are a little bit iffy because some brands are, they actually are connected um, without you realizing it in order to all be tearing them, um, evidently. But if they're just fan folded. Yeah, if they're just fan folded, then that's fine. Like just tearing toilet paper and stacking it up somewhere, right. like behind the toilet, is fine. But then you run into. Um, well, it's pre-cuts, which you may not like. Um, minimizing wastage, hangs an easy, I mean, you can either go to a bathroom as a stack of toilet paper, which may not be very sightly, or this little thing. So, <laughs> this is just kind of giving you a visual of the seriousness of this. Somebody's definitely thought this. Thing. Yeah, but so what does that thing do? Yeah. So, essentially, this is, it's, it's pretty much this. 
um, but upside down here, and it just comes one thing at a time, like one little sheet at a time. So the machine tears it for you? No, it's yeah. not, it's already, it's kind of like, um, if you have ever used a paper towel dispenser, where the paper towels are just folded on top yeah, of one another, yeah. Yeah. and it comes out one at a time, just like that. So you got to buy special uh, toilet paper. You can't just put your roll in. No, yeah, you got. That's a whole deal. Okay, okay. You can't use your store. So Taylor, paper. by the way, is opening a Shabbos bathroom tissue dispenser <laughs> <laughs> shop. I have them in my bag. They're fourteen ninety five. I get in your bathroom. It's the Trafficante. No, um, refills are five dollars. Actually, I was. Uh, I found this doing a Google search on, on tearing. Toilet paper, and I had no idea such a thing existed. But why not? Right? They've got some of that. It's, it's, it's like it's like the it's like the warming plates. It's like the kosher yeah. lamps. I mean, yeah. You know, people. You know, There's Jewish a, people have over <laughs> trying to figure out how to how to not violate the malachot. There's a right. need. It's still have right. some. Convenience. And if we can make some money selling it before Shabbos, <laughs> great. <laughs> so, out of curiosity, we didn't really touch on this so much. Where does Terry come from in Michigan? So the tearing comes from, uh, I don't know where specifically from the Mishkan it's derived from, but it is derived from the opposites of constructing is destructing, right. and it's inferred from that, and also creating something that has not been. So it's actually one of those ones that doesn't have... I, I, and the research, I, I think it may be... Um, I, I think... I'm trying to, I, I've, read, I've read about this, and I'm trying to remember the details, uh, I, for some reason what's coming back to my mind, and it, this might be wrong, so you'll have to verify it, but it may have something to do with the skins that were used, so like, so the way the mm. skins were, you know, carrying off a loose piece you know, or something sure. like that. Something, something or, like that. Yeah. Something like that. Tearing something to tie together again. Interestingly enough, the majority of the research that I found on tearing really just went straight to practicality. As opposed to when I was doing a lot of research on the writing and erasing, everyone listed the Mishkan where it was derived from first, but I didn't find a lot on the uh, on the tearing aspect of it. Although I would have to reasonably assume that it is derived from Mishkan. I think I've heard it is. I think I'm not Yeah, it, it, it is. Yeah. I think Johnny's question earlier was spot on, and we should make sure we repeat it. Every week, he specifically asked us all, "Is this? How's this going to affect you? Is this? Is this going to impact your life? This particular deal? For me, that's that's really important to know." Yeah. Um, I only asked because it's like okay, the issue of grinding. I, I don't. Ever we didn't talk about grinding yet. <laughs> we chatted about it. <laughs> So I, 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 I just I bring that up because I don't want us to forget to do that because I think this is, I mean, that's, that's what it's all about. And this is me. one that actually involves a lot of, well, not the, the most. There are some of the 39 uh, Melchot that do involve a lot more planning and foresight and all of that. But this Free actually grinding. is one as well because you're, you're getting ready for Shabbat. Everything's ready. All of a sudden you're like, okay, I'm going to be showing Shabbos. You realize sun is set, candles are lit. 60 people coming tomorrow. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, just toilet paper on a roll. Yeah. yeah so, that's guess I'm not going to be Shomer Shabbos this So, week. we're going to put a, a basket of pine cones. <laughs> 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 not but the trees. <laughs> so, well, and, then, and then there's the ruling of, well, what do you do if you run out or you forget 
to tear mm-hmm. prior. Life trumps, I hope. Um, and so they actually say that as long as you tear in an unusual way. It's like where it's not perfect. Like not perfect. So both conditions have to be met. It has to be in an unusual way, and they either recommend figure this out, okay? With your elbows. I don't know how you're supposed to do that while you're actually using the restroom um, when it's on the roll. But with your elbows or tear, or fig, just figure it out. Uh, like etiquette aside, something like that. But you can't tear it along the perforated edge at that point. It has to be uh, in an unusual tearing spot so if you forget. And so that shouldn't be strictly in an emergency. Yeah, that shouldn't be your normative practice, though. <laughs> they said, uh, and the reason is that in the Talmud it talks about uh, well, that's okay because they actually uh, a little bit strange. They used to use rocks uh, back in the Talmudic period, like three somewhat <laughs> sharp rocks. If you ever seen that movie? <laughs> It's about like the seashells. Demolition man. The seashells. The Talmudic sages were a lot more hardcore uh, advanced than we are here. So, uh, but, but, so <laughs> you can carry your rocks, and you can. And so they, they essentially rule that it's okay. Each man has his own rock. And you have three rocks. I don't know how it works. It's just like the seashells. But no, but the point is, like, the, the reason, it, from what I've seen, is they talk about the issue of human dignity, and that's another one. So you can you can violate it because it would be worse off for you to be in the situation where you're like, I, I don't want to violate Shabbat, and that's kind of inhumane hours yourself in and embarrassing. So you can, as long as you're taking it in an unusual way, you can. Well, not long as you can do that. So next week when we all come here, there'll be three rocks. More seashells. seashells. Um, but this is actually one that is pretty serious in the Orthodox community. Uh, they, they take tearing very seriously because it's most of the time purely destructive. So if you go to an Orthodox home, you will see the bathroom light is always on. There's always pre-torn toilet paper or a box of tissue paper if you don't have a septic system, etc. So this is actually one that does hit you front on and say, you can either make a conscious, because everyone uses the restaurant Shabbat multiple times a day. So you're faced with it, tearing paper towels, etc., all throughout the day. Uh, this same uh, Shomer Shabbos thing that you referenced earlier, uh, I was camping with them one weekend, and uh, before sundown on Friday, you know, I overhear the husband and wife, and she's like, "This is this is a campground, right? So there's uh, there's porta potties. There's not you know there's, no, there's not regular indoor bathrooms. So, um, but I overhear the husband and wife and talking as they're making making final preparations before Shabbat starts, and the wife tells the husband, "You need to go prepare some toilet paper." Yeah, you know and put it somewhere out of sight so that if somebody happens to go into that particular port body they don't take it. Don't take it and then you know so that was that same that, that same couple, um, I <coughs> went to see him before Arab Shabbat began at the hotel mm-hmm. in order to pick up his books so he would not have to carry them to walk here from the yeah. hotel. And everything was in a bag. So I said, being from New York, 
what's in the bag? And he said, some snacks, my sitter, my chumash, and toilet paper. I said, we have toilet paper. He says, I tore this already. Cool. Into the car, and the goyim drives off. <laughs> yeah. So this is one where... You're prepping. Um, there's not a whole lot of, well, does it apply in this situation, in this situation? It's, it's a lot more straightforward, because it really only... We don't do a lot of tearing in normal day-to-day life, but it affects you in a pretty major way that uh, Lori and I try to be... Uh, we try to implement step-by-step Shomer Shabbos, and without even realizing it, you go and you're like washing your hands after like in the kitchen and we took so many pains to tear, tear the toilet paper and all this we walked towel. over just tear a piece of paper towels so it's it's step by step you can't do it all in one Shabbat and I don't recommend that you try and neither do the rabbis recommend that you try because it can be frustrating and you can get burnt out and think, this is the dumbest thing, I'm not even going to do it anymore. So, little by little, I encourage you to make the halakh decision for your own lives on writing, erasing, mm. and tearing. That's yes. all we have for tonight. Any other comments or questions? Some paragraphs are really short. May you taste of the sweetness of the world to come in this life. May you see your children's children come to faith. May your end be with the life of the world to come. And may your deeds affect the hope of many generations. May your heart ponder and achieve the understanding of Torah. May your mouth speak wisdom to everyone you meet. And may your tongue bring forth song as you praise the Holy One. Blessed is He. May you have the self-control to look straight before you. May your eyes be enlightened by the light of Torah. And may your face shine in the brightness of the sky. May your lips utter knowledge. Your heart rejoice in righteousness. And your feet run to hear the words of the Ancient of Days. Amen. 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 Well done. Amen.